Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke by phone today as more Israeli troops entered Gaza. CBS's Linda Gradstein is in Jerusalem. The two men also discussed efforts to secure the release of 239 hostages, including American citizens. The president also asked Netanyahu to increase the flow of humanitarian assistance in Gaza. On CBS's Face the Nation, International Committee of the Red Cross Chief Robert Mardini said he's working with Hamas to try to free the hostages it's holding. We have been also proposing to visit hostages in order to ensure that they get uh, personal medicines uh, uh, or simply that they can exchange messages with their loved ones. CBS News Brief. I'm Christopher Cruz. KDK Radio News Time uh, 618. Let's go back to the phones and all the way to Denver. Mike, you on KDK. Chris, good afternoon. Great to be with you. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. You? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you for taking my call. And, um, you know, first of all, I just wanted to start out by saying thank you for what you said earlier, defending, you know, younger people uh, when the caller brought up, um, you know, these young people don't really know what they're doing on college campuses when they speak up about this stuff. I mean, I think you were spot on with that. I think you were spot on with that. And, you know, like I'm a younger person myself, you know, I'm 27. And uh, I guess that's why talk radio has always been something that I've really cared about. And I've kind of connected to more than television or, or video games is because I really care what's going on in, in my world, in our world. And um, it's always given me an outlet to, uh, express myself and so I just wanted to say thank you and and one other thing I know um, you know the uh, previous caller was talking a little bit about uh, mental health and uh, discussions around that um, I saw something a uh, really interesting guest uh, her name was uh, Mary Ellen O'Toole uh, she was on a lot of the shows uh, this past week talking about this shooting in Maine she was a former FBI profiler uh, for about 30 years with the FBI and she's she made a really interesting point about this guy she said when when people have mental health conditions underlying mental health conditions and they have an event that uh, amplifies those conditions like this uh, Robert Card did it it triggers the mental illness so if you if she was saying if you already have a mental illness and they were saying like his his ex-girlfriend broke up with him it amplifies that and then these people react and i think that this happens more often than we think on a smaller scale i mean you look at just shootings that happen every day in chicago or whatnot we don't scrutinize those people in the media as much as we do a mass shooting. So, you know, she was making a really interesting point with that as well, and I just wanted to kind of contribute that. Well, here's today. what I think about that. Uh, I was just talking with another veteran friend of mine today, uh, and we were talking about disability and what it takes to get your disability increased. Uh, and, and we think, uh, given the experience of other veterans, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that if you go in there talking about, um, well, your girlfriend quit you or your wife left you or your dog died, you're not going to get anywhere to tell you the truth. Um, they, the Veterans Administration, are looking to see how your experiences in the war zone impact you today. And all that stuff about your girlfriend leaving you, they don't look at. And so if that is true, what she is saying then uh, the VA probably needs to change its tone on that uh, because that if that's the thing that is a catalyst that sets 
somebody who's already a little bit imbalanced off, uh, then they need to look a little harder at that. But um, several of my veterans' friends say, don't even say anything about your wife left you or your dog died or all that, because they don't care. They care about the night uh, things blowed up right in your face and your best friend got killed and you had to shoot two people who right in front of you and dropped and how that impacts you today. So uh, they ought to start listening to her if that's true. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think another really important thing is these people that, that may have been in the Army and have PTSD or some kind of mental health condition, it's really important that they are on the right medication. Uh, if they're on a medication that's wrong or too low or high a dose, it could also um, you know, have really adverse effects. So I think that that's another important point that I would, I would throw in there. But a lot of these times, you know, people that were in the military, they don't they don't want a lot of the help. They, they're kind of adverse to taking medications. They just deal with it on their own. And, you know, it, it, it triggers when something happens in their life, like, you know, an event, a, a stressful event, it, it, it amplifies the mental illness they already have. And then they do something crazy like this. So, you know, it's something I think we really got to take a look at. But um, thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you. Um, I just don't think uh, the mental health professionals, the ones at least that work for the government, uh, think like that. I don't think that they believe that there are catalytic events that occur in your everyday life uh, that cause you to go off the deep end like that. Uh, Ron in Hamilton Fields, you're on KDK. Yes, sir. Um, you know, my thoughts, sir, the young man just gave seem to be relevant. I spent over 10 years as a conservator for military, public, and private hospitals with people with uh, particular emotional and mental problems. Uh, but what I was looking at was going back to the Six-Day War in 1967 in June, where um, Israel had a, had a victory. Those heard those victories were going back, and I don't know if you should call them victories, going back to 67 and earlier. And uh, in, in San Francisco area, which, which I'm actually thinking about, was that... Uh, Mike Wilhelm, who was a member of the Charlatans, probably the lead person, considered to be a great artist by Gary Garcia and others at that time. He was a Navy vet. And he did uh, the first, uh, what is considered the first Summer of Love event in Golden Gate Park then, which was basically a focus for peace. Um, though there might have been a lot of performers thinking it was all about music, it was really about focusing on that peace issue. And I know now, um, just talking with a friend uh, yesterday in downtown San Francisco uh, on the phone, I was calling him, right outside of his window, there were thousands of people. I think the estimate was about 15,000 people campaigning. And what we need, in my mind, is to go back to those relationships which were communicative. And this thing with Israel and the territorial uh, positioning that they've taken over these years, for, for what bottom line advantage have they given their people distress? Where in all of this, politically, social, were the actual benefits? And if it's just about money and territory, who then are guiding the future of these Israeli people, or therefore, because of the conflicts and the relationship to the extension of these conflicts, the effect that it would have on the population of the globe, specifically if nuclear arms are used. This, uh, the human character, and I think I have a sense of agreeing with you from earlier conversations, uh, there's a tendency to believe that uh, maybe we can't get our, out of our own way. 
Anyway, I'd, I'd like to hear how you think on that overall. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, 866-391-1020. That's our number. We'll be right back. Proud to be the voice of Pittsburgh. The Israeli military's unrelenting attacks are making things much worse for people in the Gaza Strip, says CBS's Tina Kraus in Tel Aviv. Israel is expanding its battle against Hamas with tanks on the ground and more strikes from the sky. The death and destruction is widespread. Buildings in the Gaza Strip obliterated into nothing but rubble. Thousands of people have looted an aid warehouse and food distribution center in Gaza. The UN's Juliette Tuma. This is an indication that people in Gaza have reached a breaking point. The levels of desperation, their frustration, their fear. CBS News Brief. I'm Christopher Cruz. All right, we're back on an even keel right now. Let's go to Jake and Cranberry. Jake, you're on KDK. Chris, I appreciate you getting the commercials in. I'm a big boss, Dave, yelling at us. <laughs> um, just a question. Uh, uh, beginning of the month, we had uh, Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. And uh, uh, you had a call, I think it was last week, uh, that she said she went to a uh, Catholic school and she never heard about Israel and she never heard about uh, Israelis and that stuff. And I'm going, well, that's weird because if you're if you were in a Catholic school, uh, you probably use uh, the uh, Catholic Bible, which, like most of them, mention Israel uh, a lot, right? Whether it's Jesus walking around Jer Jerusalem or the Jews being there in the temple, right? How else would you, how else would you uh, say uh, the place that you're talking about? Well, perhaps you missed um, the context of which he was talking about. Certainly all the religions, even when I used to go to Bible school, uh, talked about Israel uh, and and Egypt and uh, slavery and, you know, all, all that sure. sort of stuff. Uh, but perhaps she she meant the Catholic teaching uh, didn't teach her about the founding of Israel and what they have done since then in taking land from the Palestinians. I think that's what she meant. Okay, that was a part, I think, uh, right, maybe between me and her uh, wasn't clear, and that's fine. Um, uh, uh, going back to the uh, indigenous peoples, um, so Abraham was uh, father of the Jews, so he's the first one. And he, uh, historically speaking, uh, was around 1800 B.C., so... We, we we had that, and then right. It's 2023 now, so about 2023 years ago, uh, we had Jesus, and about uh, 570 A.D. we had Muhammad. So uh, where and I'm and I'm, and I'm asking your uh, opinion. Uh, where was uh, Abraham and his people? Uh, right, Isaac and Jacob and all them. Uh, where were they in the world? 
I'm not a biblical scholar. I do not know the answer to that question. Do you know? Tell me. Well, I just think they would be in the modern-day Israel today. And, you know, it's it's kind of a, I get it, it's kind of a, a, it would be like a bumper sticker uh, answer. But if the mosque today is on top of the temple, right, wouldn't that say that, the Israelis were there first, since the temple's underneath the mosque. Again, I'm not schooled enough in biblical history to know which one is on top of which. I know that I have seen reports uh, about the Holy Land and how even the religious figures from all uh, the major religions there bump each other and argue about who owns what? I'm I'm no longer even interested in their arguments because all they do is lead to more death and destruction uh, as people cite chapter and verse. Well, and I'm just and I'm I'm just uh, asking about uh, the uh, quote unquote indigenous peoples around the world, and I'm saying uh, from what I gather. I would think the Israelis would be the indigenous peoples of that land. That, like you cited, right, uh, slaves taken to Egypt, because Egypt was uh, uh, big cheese back then and, and, and running stuff. And the uh, Israelis were led out of Egypt back to Israel, right? And they, and they kept them, well, <clears throat> the word is, uh, God kept them out of Israel for the 40 years to get them out of that slave mentality, to take basically two generations to get that slavery out of them. So when they got back to Israel, they wouldn't feel like slaves anymore, and they could be a productive society. Well, if that satisfies you as an explanation for what the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians today, then go ahead with it, Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and I don't hear this. Maybe I hear it from the far, far left, like the young people who were at UCLA chanting gas the Jews the other day in the in the just in the bad stuff that goes on with that. I don't hear the <clears throat> I hear it in some circles and not others that. Not only whether you say a race or where the people are from, because I think we know that most of the Palestinians are actually Jordanians, and they're not in Jordan anymore. No, no, the Jordanians don't even want the Palestinians to come there. Well, nobody does, because that would end the fight. No, it wouldn't end the fight. Uh, The Palestinians would still lay claim to that land, uh, that Israel, no matter if it was after two generations came in uh, and took over or if they took it over with the founding of Israel, the fight would continue. That would not quell the fight at all. <clears throat> uh, but th- you, you, there is a fight between the religions, right? Between yes. Muslims and the Jews. Yes. So what I'm, what I'm saying is, we, we can only have that fight since 570 A.D. That's 570 years after Jesus. So what's your point? Well, again, back to the indigenous people, because we talked about that a lot. Oh, so well, it's, it's were, who's on first. There were first. Jews and there was Christians. For you, it's who's on first, right? 
Who's on yes, first? Yes. I don't know. Second base. I'm telling you, that, that argument yes. doesn't doesn't wash with me. And you know, we were here first. That sounds like two kids in in the back seat of the car uh, going to the carnival, and and mom and dad has to separate them. I called. I called shotgun. Yep, that's exactly Thank what it you, is. Chris. Who's on first? Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I just heard from the junior vice president of the West Coast Division of my vast and worldwide research bureau. He says, so if all these people feel that the Israelis being there first, and that's questionable, if that one reason is justification for taking the land, would they accept the Native Americans taking back all of the land of the United States? We know Native Americans don't have the power but if they did, hmm, how about that for a justification? We were here first. You know, I always say this would have been a better country if the Native Americans had had stricter immigration laws. George and Clarendon, what are you so angry about? I'm real angry, and it goes right along with that logic right there. And I said this two weeks ago because I was steamed about the Columbus Day and the, and the, not the countercultures, the uh, cancel cultures. And all that stuff that's been going on about six years. Um, if we can say that the Dominicans and everyone else, before they were called that, of course, were here first, speaking of Columbus and his Nina Pinta Santa Maria, if I'm allowed to even say that anymore, and we can cancel that holiday because of whatever atrocities happened and they were there first, then it should be a slam dunk for the Israelis because they were there this long, since 3,500 that's pretty much the story. Well, it should be a slam dunk for the Native Americans. You need to get out of Dodge. Oh, I agree with the Native Americans as well. My buddy's listening. He was always big. I don't even know if it's still around. It was the Pittsburgh Tribal Council. This is going back to the early 80s. But uh, he was real big with them. And uh, he had his arguments with them, too. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure he would feel the same way, too. How about it, Eric? don't see him much anymore. All right, anything else? That's it, just throwing that out there. All right, thank you. Let's go all the way to San Francisco. David, you're on KDK. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, yeah, I was interested in uh, Israel as uh, as a so-called democracy as well. But uh, before I started, uh, yesterday when we were talking, uh, I was talking about uh, abortions. Do, do you think that Israel is a democracy? Oh, clearly not. Yeah, okay. they, uh, you know, you look at taxation with representation. You look at the issue of the social contract. You look at the issue of duty to care. Uh, those are all major aspects of, uh, of uh, democracy. Uh, united we stand, divided we fall. I mean, it, it's so clear that Israel is not a democracy, that it's, you know, preposterous that America pretends that it is and just acts like uh, they have carte blanche to uh, to deal with this. Uh, yeah, where's their e pluribus unum? Exactly, yeah. Uh, but uh, before I started, uh, yesterday we were talking about the abortion issue, and I thought about one other book I'd recommend. It's called The Black Dahlia Avenger by a guy named Steve Hodel. 
And uh, this, uh, there's a famous murder that happened in 1948 in, in Los Angeles called the Black Dahlia murder. And uh, the Steve Hodell was uh, a young cop in the 1990s. And in looking at the uh, evidence about the Black Dahlia murder, he suspected that his own father was the uh, murderer. And uh, his father was basically in charge of the VD clinic of Los Angeles. And he goes the into VD some, clinic? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sexually transmitted okay. diseases. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. Yeah, and, and this, uh, the issue of abortion comes into it because his father was thought to be an abortionist in Los Angeles and performing abortions for, you know, the rich and the famous, the Hollywood starlets, the mistresses of the, uh, uh, of the politicians. And so when, uh, Steve Hodell's father perhaps killed the, you know, the, did the Black Dahlia murder, uh, he was able to get away with it because he had so many people uh, that he could blackmail. And you remember, as we were talking about abortion yesterday, I, I was saying that blackmail was a major aspect of it. And when you read this book, Black Dahlia Avenger, uh, it it really makes some great illusions about how blackmail and, and uh uh, the abortion, uh, it, when when abortion is made illegal, uh, blackmail is a major aspect of of life in in every town, and it's you know it can be the sons and brothers, it could be the fathers, it could be the women themselves, it could be anybody could be blackmailed, especially when they come down in a hard line issue as if it's murder and murder never has a statute of limitation. No, oh, what a life we lead. Mm. Yeah, but. Yeah, regarding uh, democracy in Israel, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned, uh, what, two, three weeks ago now, uh, that oil underneath Gaza, to me, is where the, the real issue is. And uh, I've heard on a number of other shows, they're also referring to that same United Nations report. Uh, it's the uh, conference on uh, a trade in, in um, oh, good grief, uh, CO2. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it here in a second. The, the whole issue about finding hundreds of billions of dollars worth of oil underneath Gaza, and this was... And, and the Palestinians would need any charity from anyone if they were allowed to develop that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Netanyahu and his buddies... Uh, don't seem to want to be able to uh, make that uh, available to the Palestinians. This article uh, that I, uh, it's UNCTAD, uh, it's the uh, Conference on Trade and Development, uh, the Unrealized Potential of Palestinian Oil and Gas Reserves, and it's from the 28th of August of 2019. I think I put it on your Facebook page uh, two weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just such an ugly issue because... Because uh, when this report came out in 2019, uh, Gaza was being blown to bits uh, then and a couple of times since then. And it's just been a nonstop, you know, slaughter out there and driving people off the land. Uh, if you remember when Gaza was put together as a separate state for the Palestinians, the land was considered so, uh, so worthless that nobody wanted it. Egypt didn't want it. Uh, 
Israel didn't really want it, and so they were able to declare that it was a, a Palestinian free land area. And they took it. All right, we have to take this uh, break right now. CBS News Brief. As Israel continues to strike targets in Gaza, the U.S. and other nations continue to pressure Israel to allow food and medicine to enter the enclave. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on CBS's Face the Nation. There should be humanitarian pauses to get hostages out, potentially to get aid in, and we will continue to work uh, toward that end. Many officials in the U.S. and abroad are worried that the Israel-Hamas war could spread. Among them, Joseph Votel, the former commanding general of Central Command. I think the thing that I've been concerned about, and probably many have been concerned about, is that any miscalculation along the line can move this to a different level. CBS News Brief. I'm Christopher Cruz. Um, again, from the West Coast Bureau. So, in response to some, quote, facts, unquote, that some of the callers stated. Number one, while most Palestinians are Muslim, many are Christians. Number two, Palestinians were there in that area before Islam. Number three, Abraham was the father of both the Jewish and Arab peoples. If first is first, which of these Semitic tribes was birthed first? According to the Bible, Sarah was barren and gave Abraham her handmaiden, Hagen, so that Abraham could have an heir. Much later, old age is mentioned in the miracle of Sarah becoming pregnant and giving birth to the Jewish side of the family. So who was there first? The answer is that it doesn't freaking matter. We need to live in peace. I certainly agree with that. But I don't think peace is an option, to tell you the truth. Uh, this comes from the Middle East Eye. And I don't think it's taught anywhere in U.S. schools, so people don't really understand it. Uh, this is taken directly from the Hamas Charter in 2017. These are quotes from the Hamas Charter. Hamas affirms that its conflict is with the Zionist project, not with the Jews, because of their religion. End of quote. Here's another quote. Hamas does not wage a struggle against the Jews because they are Jewish, but wages a struggle against the Zionists who occupy Palestine. End of quote. Another quote from the Charter. Hamas rejects the persecution of any human being or the undermining of his or her rights on nationalist, religious, or sectarian grounds. End of quote. And one final quote from the Hamas Charter. Hamas considers the establishment of a fully sovereign and independent Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital along the lines of the 4th of June, 1967, with the return of the refugees and the displaced to their homes from which they were expelled to be a formula of national consensus. That directly from the Hamas Charter. All right, I'm sorry I don't have time to uh, take all the other callers on the line, but that's what happens when you wait so late to call.